our guitarist made a compilation and it was only five shows that we ever played of me saying move. And it was like fucking 15 times. And I'm like, wow, fuck. I say that way too much, right. man. up everyone thank you for tuning in this is another episode of the scoped exposure podcast um it's been really cool in the last few years to see a lot of western canada meets eastern canada connection and this podcast is definitely going to be one of those as i'm welcoming on a good friend uh someone who plays in in my opinion one of the most underrated toronto bands right now um please welcome kian of die alone to the fucking scoped exposure podcast thanks for joining me bro no worries, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, I was thinking about it before we were jumping on. Like, hardcore is such an interesting thing where there's all these different, like, um, kind of not entry points, but like meeting of like different things. And the way that we right. met initially was when you were playing in a different band and you weren't even doing vocals, you were doing drums. Yeah. And that was our first, you know, soft introduction. I'll, I'll call it that because we didn't really have a lot of FaceTime. And that normally is the name of the game for me with like filming bands. It's usually like after I put out the videos that, you know, we start to build a little bit of a a friendship there. Um, But I think we had kept in touch because that show that we initially met at was like a month before the pandemic hit. Yeah, that was right before everything hit the fan, really. Yeah, it was like uh, that was a fun show. mm -hmm. It was uh, very like spur of the moment, like. Hey, do you want to come out and film the Toronto show as like a yeah. one-off? It wasn't even like a big fest or anything. So I didn't even know that you were an Endgame then. Like I just knew you as the guy who like well, you're like the Canadian hate five six. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, Endgame we we were just playing locally at the time, but we didn't have our demo out until that oh, August. Okay. So we were only known between like just playing in Calgary and, and maybe the right. one-off show in Edmonton. Um, but uh. Yeah, it's wild because got flown out, um, pandemic hits. And then as, you know, a common theme that I've talked about on this podcast is the, not the resetting of things, but other people to be able to start different side projects, which in turn has have made, uh, you know, main projects almost like the thing as shows have, have come back. So seeing oh, definitely. you uh, start Die Alone, I was like, oh man, this is really cool. Um, you know, and we'll get into some of the things as far as like, you know, uh, how that transition even, even started. Uh, but before we get into the music chats, before that gets uh, ahead of us, we have to check some bevs for the show. So, um, Kean, you go first and, uh, tell me what you're going to be sipping on for the ep. All right. I got, it's, um, called tales from the patch, wherever the camera is. Yeah, (laughs) there we go. It's, um, one of those, like, pumpkin fall beers um i like them a lot but i find that a lot of them can be super like overpowering with like fake pumpkin flavor Mm. but this one is super super nice it's almost like 
if Guinness crossed a pumpkin spice latte. So Oh, okay. Yeah. I can back yeah. that. That sounds great. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's from like a, a local brewery, I'm guessing. Um, um yeah, Big Rig Brewery. Big I Rig. Don't think I've had one of their other beers. Okay. I think they do a lot of IPAs and I'm not an IPA guy, so mm. are you like what's your go to, like generally speaking, for beers? Honestly, man. Just like blue or bud, I'm super basic. Oh, okay. So like a but like a I like a lot of like some kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like a lot of English ales though, mm. like um, Wells or Smithics or something like that. Got you. But those are hard to find, harder yeah. to find over here anyway. So this is a little bit of a outside of your uh, your normalcy. So you've brought a good bet. A little bit. Show. Yeah. Hell- uh, and, and by the way, where are you um, going to, you know, for the video people, you know, you're calling from, you know, a dope spot, you know, the, <laughs> uh, is there anything you want to plug as far as where you're coming from? Um, I don't think so. just want to say shout out to Dave who hooked me up with the sick uh, studio spot. I'm in his office right now. So yeah. he's, um, he's a pref- professional photographer and videographer. So he's got all his camera gear and shit. So I always appreciate, you know, everyone's welcome to come on the podcast obviously but there's always i respect it more when someone is like i you know i want to go above and beyond versus just like my iphone on yeah. books and my headphones so <laughs> exactly uh, yeah shout out to dave uh for hooking yeah. up with uh the the dope setup also the three records that are on the wall there bad brain speed and higher power that is a oh i didn't even notice uh it's on the other side speed of you now oh yeah, I didn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> I knew he had bad brains, but I didn't know you got speed. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite EPs of this year. Um, oh, they're awesome. Yes. So Bev's for me, um, you know, for people that have been avidly tuning in on the podcast, probably know that I'm in a bit of a, a grapefruit phase right now. So I've been drinking a lot of these, um, which oh, is those the are Aha so good. orange and grapefruit. But, and this is a little, I don't know if this is unconventional for bev checks per se but um i've had i'm just drinking the rest of this orange juice <laughs> just straight from the container because i've just needed nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that you know sometimes it like it gets to the end and i'm like i i'm not gonna pour a glass i'm just gonna drink straight from it so i'm 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 double fisting as far as bev's are concerned <laughs> cool, um man. but uh keen cheers to you my friend I'm cheersing cheers, you man. with this fucking Tropicana chug. <laughs> Thank- <laughs> Thanks for having me on, bro. Dude, it's uh, I'm very, I'm very, very excited. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. So likewise, bro. So um, yeah, like I alluded a little bit in the intro there as far as how we met, but before we get into like the the start of Die Alone and and what's up with that project, um, yeah, I always like to get a bit of context about any new guest that comes here on the show. So okay. take me way back in time, like when you were first discovering punk, hardcore, skate music, breakdown music, guitar music, however you want to spin it. And, uh, you know, what initially puts you on the path? Okay. Um, I always liked heavy music as a kid, right? Like my first CD was Limp Biscuit, Significant Other. Okay. Um, but then I started getting into like thrash and old school death metal. Um, I think one of the big things that put me on to heavy music was, I don't know if you remember Much Loud. Yes, I remember. They used to play like Slayer, Sepultura, 
a shit ton of good bands mm -hmm. and that's pretty much what put me on to like thrash and death metal and that sort of thing mm -hmm. and i i used to have like super long hair and like go to thrash shows and shit but then <laughs> i realized it was really fucking corny sure yeah and i discovered hardcore just surfing youtube i was 15 at the time and i discovered this band called final fight they're from california okay they're a smallish band i think they were just local to california that didn't do any major tours but um i realized how fucking aggressive and like heavy that shit could be while not talking about like wizards and dungeons and dragons and <laughs> shit like that <laughs> and then pretty much at that point it was just like a rabbit hole into like hardcore and shit because mm -hmm. prior to that like when i was into thrash the only two hardcore bands that i knew and liked were agnostic front and bad brains mm -hmm. so okay. then it was like yeah i just went down the rabbit hole and just got into anything and everything so uh going back to the very first point that you brought up like buy the first cd you buying being limb biscuit like yeah. was that just off of like the artwork was crazy or was it like uh, a relative or like a family someone or just someone at high school was like you need to check this out like what, what was the like even going even more deeper into that like first initial um purchase because when you're buying your first it, cd there needs to be a reason associated yeah with it. well <laughs> it was the um, it was break stuff mm -hmm. the music video it was playing like everywhere and dude i was five years old at the time i'm like this is like the craziest fucking shit and wow. that same year i got um significant other and an s club seven cassette tape <laughs> yeah <laughs> So that was like my my introduction into heavy music. Right. And um, then from that point, I just liked a lot of the new metal type of stuff like Slipknot and Korn and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I guess technically my first hardcore CD would be Perseverance by Hatebreed. Mm -hmm. I got that when I was eight, but I didn't know that it was a hardcore band. I just knew it was the band on the Triple X soundtrack. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, so you yeah. were hella young while you were like discovering this stuff. Yeah, very young. My mom would buy me the music. She said, as long as I don't use the language, <laughs> like, which was fair. And yeah. I didn't right. around her. Right. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I was really, really young. But um, I would say thrash metal was my introduction. Sure. Um, to hardcore. Yeah, Yeah. If that makes sense. Totally. And I think everyone's got their quote unquote main uh, as they're kind of discovering stuff. But there's like different things that are just off that you're like, oh, OK, I can. It's not that you tolerate it, but it's like the exception. And maybe the yeah. exception grows into like becoming the new main, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. for yeah. sure. I think for me, like there was definitely like, you know, it's funny that you mentioned like your mom's like, yeah, it's fine if you don't use the language because like. I've talked about it on the podcast before, but like I grew up in a Christian household and a lot of the early introductions into heavy music was the under oath, the haste, the days, the, uh, as yeah. dyings. Um, so I would have different things like trapped under rice or, um, like verse or thrice that were kind of like different pockets of actual yeah. hardcore, but like it over time was like, Oh, I want it like, who are these bands influenced by? And then it goes down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, 
you're discovering all this shit hella young, which is crazy to me that you're like eight years old and you're like owning all these like new metal CDs. Um, <laughs> when is like, did you come from a musical household or like when did the idea of like playing in bands or even just playing music in general even come to be? Um, well, I always had like, I don't know. I never took lessons with drums or anything like that. I guess I just always had rhythm. Mm -hmm. Like my dad, he played guitar. Uh, my mom never played an instrument, but she definitely had a sense of rhythm as well. Sure. But yeah. Um, can't really think of anything that would, yeah, I guess I just, uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Right. Um, so I just knew how to play drums. I don't. Yeah. I can't explain it. What was? Well, what was your first like chance? Hold to on one sec, play? man. Um, my uh, my headset just ran out, so I can't hear anything you're saying right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hold on, my producer's gonna hook me up. All good. Oh <laughs> wait. I'm so sorry. No, you're all good. Oh, no. All right. Are we good? Check, check. Hello, hello. Oh, no. Hello, hello. No. What about now? Yo, yo. You hear us? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sweet. Okay. That's better. Cool. I don't think that there... I'm just seeing if there's any echo, but I think we're okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Sorry oh, about that, man. No, that's all good. Yeah, uh, You know, people have had their laptops die in the middle of an oh, interview. Fuck. That shit happens. Um, <laughs> trying to remember where we were kind of jumping in. Oh, okay. So, like, I'll re-ask the question, and then you can okay. kind of go yeah. into that. Perfect. Um. So you're discovering all this music like hella young, which is crazy to me. When is like the first time that you're actually like playing music, like outside of just listening to it through through headphones or speakers? Like when are you actually like playing along to it, even if it's like a pots and pans kind of shit? Yeah. Um, well, I got this drum kit when I was 10 years old. It was like given to me by one of my mom's friends. It was like one of those kitty like beginner drum kits right but it had a snare and a kick drum and a cymbal so me and my brother connor who plays guitar and die alone uh we used to jam all the time in the basement and that's pretty much how we just started getting into heavier and heavier music and yeah mm -hmm. um so how how is, are you the older sibling to connor uh connor's older than me by two years okay got you so like it which is always funny because when siblings are in bands together, it's like such a a unique thing where, um, yeah. you know, you can have like band banter and you're trying to fight about stuff. But then you guys actually have to go home and like you know, <laughs> know. sit with that. So um, yeah. was there a bit of like, oh, yeah, we're going to be in a band together for sure. Or you're like, oh, God, I don't want to be in a band with my brother. It was know. like a for sure thing. Yeah, totally. It, writing music with Connor is so fucking easy. Like the process, we just bounce off each other so well, right? Right. So it's like, there's no question. <laughs> hmm. So um, 
was it because he 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 was always a guitar a guitar player yeah okay yeah so it was like okay you're the one writing the music and i'm the one structuring you know the beats and and how that works yeah Mm -hmm. sometimes like because i can play a little bit of guitar like just like power chords and basic hardcore riffs right sometimes i'll like show him a riff and be like yo do something with this or i'll hum a riff on my phone and then be like (laughs) check this out right oh so you guys were like really doing stuff like really out the gate um when we were kids not so much like we were just covering songs that we knew mm. we knew like a shit ton of slayer songs so we were just like we go in the basement play a lot of slayer maybe like <laughs> cannibal corpse or something like right. that yeah and then uh once we started getting into hardcore that's when we decided you know we got to start a band and then we started taking it a little more seriously right yeah so um your uh you know, people know you as the the vocalist of Die Alone, but like, you know, when we first met, I only knew you as a drummer. So yeah. talk to me about like the first few bands that uh, that you started playing, because I think even before Born Without Hope, you were like doing other bands. If I'm yeah. Yeah. So my first actual band that I was in was a band with a few friends of mine and I played bass in it, mm-hmm. but I was kind of just a fill-in guy. Like it was open string kind of metalcore stuff. Right. So I just got to bounce around on stage and and chug. The, so the best part I, of playing bass in a band. <laughs> of course. But the first band that I played drums in was with Connor and two other friends. Um, we only played like three or four shows. We were called Organized Crime. And uh I played drums and it was a fun band, but we didn't really gel that well with the other two guys. Mm -hmm. So we called it quits. And then like a year or two later, that's when we started Born Without Hope. Cool. So first off, let me say organized crime. Almost, it it almost seems like a shame that that band only existed for a small amount of time. Cause that (laughs) band name is hard as fuck. Um, I know. Right. uh, So you do organized crime, Born Without Hope starts, um you know and we can you know either extend or fast forward through that um i saw you guys play in february 2020 yeah 2020 and then when does the idea of dialone even come into the picture uh dialone actually started in like 2018 i think was our first jam session Mm. it was going to be a side project between just me, Connor, and Bobby, just just fucking around, really. Yeah. Um, I kind of w- was the one to start it. Like I was the one who messaged Connor and Bobby and said, "Yo, we should jam." What does Bobby what I... do in the band? Uh, he plays drums. Okay. So sorry to to cut you off there, but like, what at what point was you know, like Dialone is starting even earlier than I thought? But at one point, yeah. were you like, "I want to do vocals," or were, was the conversation of you doing vocals even in the picture at this point? Oh yeah, I forgot to mention. So during Born Without Hope, I did vocals in a band with a few friends of mine called False Promise. And that was like my first time doing vocals ever. I didn't know what the fuck to do. I was actually super nervous during the first three practices until I finally like found my style. Mm -hmm. Um, That was just a really quick band because our buddy was over from Japan and he was leaving that summer. So we only got to play shows for maybe like five, six months. Mm -hmm. I think we played five shows. And then once he left, we're like, yeah, it's not the same without him. So we just called it quits. Right. 
So, so that, that was actually that like was the first, initial that yeah. was the first rodeo, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. And then um, because Bobby was in that band, but he was playing bass. Mm. But me and Bobby were still friends, so we're like, yo, let's continue this thing and keep it going, but like change up our style a little bit. Got you. Okay. So this new idea of this band starts 2018, you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 2018 to when you guys drop your debut EP 2021 is a long amount of time. And obviously yeah. pandemic and some of those things are of course. within that time frame. But like what took, you know, was it just it was a side project band, so it wasn't getting the attention to actually like pretty much. Yeah. Music? It's actually crazy how much our style changed because originally when I started Die Alone, I was thinking of like a mid 2000s moshcore band and mm. our first practice, we played our intro and we actually were tuned down to B and I have the recording on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was supposed to be like an almost like black my heart barrier dead type of thing. Mm. But then as we started writing more and more, we started writing groovier and like more 90s hip hop influence shit. Yeah. And we're like, let's keep this or like this direction that we're going in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the distinct things about Dialone for me is that like your guys is like you, you guys are playing a very like timeless kind of style of hardcore. Yeah. That like bouncy, like New York um, 90s kind of stuff kind of groove-esque yeah hardcore um which i think a lot of bands right now not even just in canada but like in general aren't yeah writing that kind of music these days yeah that's just that's always been kind of our favorite flavor of hardcore mm -hmm. especially connor like he fucking loves all those bands so that was pretty much it was just came naturally to us sure okay so um you go through a couple genre iterations if you want, and then you find it. Um, yeah. And then what was uh, like the, the timeline of, I, I guess like was the pandemic a little bit of a, a barrier of like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't drop. Like was the plan of dropping this EP? Like, Oh, we want to make sure this is right. Um, um, to do that. Yeah. So basically we would just practice from about 2018 to 2020 we'd practice and it wasn't like a, a steady thing. It was like, yo, you want to jam again? It's been like three months. And <laughs> sure. then we'd be like, yeah, sure. Right. And then as we practiced more and more and kept writing more songs, we're like, yo, I think we got something good happening. Mm -hmm. Let's keep it consistent. So 2019, like late 2019, we started practicing a little more steadily as a band and 2020 is when we're at like the start of 2020. We're like, yo, we're going to ramp this shit up. We're going to actually form a band. And then the pandemic hit and we're like, ah, oh, fuck. So that really slowed us down until finally in like mid 2020, um, we met Yoshi through uh, our, our Japanese friend that I mentioned prior mash, he introduced us to him because he wanted oh, to be in a hardcore band. Okay. And we're like, yo, like, sure. We need a bassist. And he fit <laughs> right in. Right. And uh, that's when we're like, yo, anytime the jam spaces open up, we're practicing. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. And then finally um, late 2020 is when we started recording. Cause we yeah. really, we actually wanted to get that EP out like at the start of 2020, but shit happened obviously. So yeah. And like, 
you, for all the American listeners, like shit in Canada was almost like, you know, double of whatever like was happening here. Like, yeah. you know, we, we didn't have shows for almost double the amount of time. Um, double the amount of time is maybe exaggerating a little bit, but it was like, it felt like, especially in Toronto, you guys like, it was like shut down after shut down after. Oh shutdown. yeah. It was crazy, man. Um, but yeah, like I think it, I think Endgame was almost in a similar thing where we were just ready to record at the start of the year. Yeah. You know, the thing happens. And then we're like, we're, we're all like vibe checking each other to be like, can we be in a basement with one another and do like, you know, yeah. so uncertain times. So, um, yeah. but you know, that being said, I think there are so many great bands that exist today because of people being pushed creatively. Um, yeah. Almost like, Agreed. uh, just like being individual of like, okay, well, I got some fucking equipment. I'm going to write a demo for like five new bands. And yeah. then one of them is like popping right now. Um, so straight up, man, like, like the, the scene is reborn after the pandemic. It's crazy. I'm seeing like tons of new faces, tons of new bands. It's totally different to what it was prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, in, I, in the best way possible. Yeah. Like I almost think it's like, it's almost like when you like, um, uh like sh like give someone like the shock uh like a like the clear like that's yeah. how it feels like it you know we're maybe on like you know there's there's peaks and valleys with with everything and maybe right now hardcore is at like a peak right now yeah and there might be an eventual valley and there's always like some of that but it has been like wild to see all new faces like it's weird to go to hardcore for for me now where it's like Oh, I actually don't know like half of these people. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right. So, um, no, you go. It's uh, weird to go to a hardcore show now where there's only like 15 people there. Whereas like prior to the pandemic, at least in Ontario, that was almost the norm to go to like a dead show. You would never see it completely packed. And right. now every show is packed. Yeah. And then, which I guess uh, I'm kind of lucky to be and die alone riding this wave. <laughs> yeah yeah i i think like new bands specifically can really you know there's there's definitely bands that like um existed before and are still like killing it these days um and maybe they had an album drop during 2020 so it's been nice to see those bands get their fair share since things have come back yeah. but i almost think bands that are like brand spanking new riding this wave have just a bit of an edge if you know what i mean yeah big time so um end of 2020 you guys are like okay it's it's safe and inviolable for us to record this ep um you sit on it for a minute and then you drop it at the beginning ish i think it was april of 2021 yeah it was april i just can't remember the date yeah um what going into that because you know this is a project off of multiple years of time that you're putting yeah. in like what's going through your head like before you're clicking schedule on the spotify or the Bandcamp or whatever honestly i just hoped like people liked it because i i fucking liked it i'm not gonna <laughs> lie i loved my band shit i'm like yo this is fucking hard man right um i think uh yeah, that was pretty much it. I just wanted people to like it and I wanted people to mosh at shows. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. whenever I watch sets, like the the pit is the best 
part to watch second to the band right right so i just wanted people to go off at shows and like the music and then if that happened then i'm happy yeah so put out the ep i would say you guys had a pretty good response initially but again timeline wise shows didn't come back until even like three to four months after that even yeah. and that's and that's pre- being pretty gracious um tell me about the very first die alone show that you were seeing oh people you know people you see the streaming numbers but now you're seeing how people are actually responding yeah. to it that was um so our first show was in barry and I was just excited that shows were back, man. That was a fucking magical night. Mm -hmm. We played first, obviously, and it was wicked, man. Like, yeah, I don't know really what else to say besides it. People went off like they moshed. um, And it was an unforgettable night just to like be playing those songs live, especially because like some of them were almost three years old at that point. Right. Right. So it was a, a bit of catharsis, I guess you could say. <laughs> totally. And and how has uh playing live changed for you as like, you know, initially, you know, taking in shows when you're the drummer versus like the front person, you're like actively engaging with things happening yeah. versus like you're just you're engaged, but it's like totally different. Yeah. Well, right off the bat, being a vocalist is way more fucking fun than being a drummer. <laughs> Like it's, it's fucking awesome. Like I'm not a super outgoing person in real life, but being on stage, it's like the old like cliche that like you're a different person on stage is completely true. Hmm. Um, I just, it's just a lot more fun being like playing drums is fun. I love playing drums, but being a drummer in a band, it sometimes it just feels like another job hmm. to me. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I, quit born without hope is because i did not want to be a drummer anymore it was just too stressful Mm -hmm. now the only gear i have to load in is a microphone (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm not one of those dickheads don't help i don't carry gear at shows no no i always do because i know how it feels (laughs) yeah you go from carrying everything as a drummer to carrying nothing yeah 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 i i'm i've always like i've always played guitar in my bands so it's like i've always had a been in the in the middle of that where it's like hey i got my shit to deal with but like it's maybe two trips worth but i feel bad for for drummers where it's like four or five trips from the van i know right (laughs) um so so yeah it, it sounds like it's not that maybe the door is shut on playing drums ever again in a band, but right now you're just like riding this like, you know, wave of, 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 um, affronting a band right now. Kind of, to be honest, man, like I've been watching those, um, hate five, six drum cams lately. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, kind of want to play drums again. <laughs> but I know if I'd like, if I'd start a band and be a drummer again, like three shows in, I'd be like, why the fuck did I do this, man? <laughs> Worst decision of my life. <laughs> I know it's um you know when uh when uh set straight played hold your ground and we kind of had to like uh jerry rig a couple of um fill ins uh with like five hours notice I played drums for that band it was yeah. I I've looked back at the the drum cam footage and I'm like man I should play drums in a band but I keep telling myself like no that's <laughs> so much work this is the I one know. time where literally you showed up and played and then I didn't have to do anything else. Because like we didn't load, load we didn't load drums in. 
I didn't even like take the symbols off. I was like, this is not my <laughs> fucking problem. I just played nice. the set. Uh, but yeah, sometimes it's it's not like it's a lot of work, but you do get a different level of enjoyment. But at the same yeah. time, fronting a band when you get to just like pass the mic off and you're it's almost like more spontaneous. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, what's maybe been like, it's interesting that you say like just the personality type of yourself versus how you are on stage. Like um, yeah. that's been a common thing with some people that have come on the podcast, other vocalists like uh, Brian of Knock Loose comes to mind. Also Joseph of Tsunami. When before we like, we're just friends now, me and Joseph. But like when I first had him on the podcast, I'm like, this is one of the most like quietest dudes who's just like <laughs> chilling and hanging out. Yeah. But now that we're friends, you know, like we, we could shoot the shit any day of the week. But like, yeah. is that something that felt daunting initially when starting this project of like, oh, am I going to have like a weird moment of not knowing what to say in between songs? Kind of. But I would say for the most part, it, it comes naturally, hmm. I guess, because at hardcore shows, I'm in my element, whereas like it's weird because any other public speaking terrifies me. <laughs> but for some reason at a hardcore show, it's like, yo, I got this. What the fuck? Right. So it's almost like by playing in all these bands over the years, that is just, you're just in your, it's like your natural habitat. You're just a of different course. animal. It has not made me a more social person at all. <laughs> but you, it's, it's almost like just a skill that you can turn on given the right conditions. Yeah, of course. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Has that been like something that's been weird for people like talking to you after shows of like, Oh, like I don't, it's not that I don't want to talk to you, but I'm just like, not. Yeah. this is not my thing. <laughs> no. Cause normally like after a show or like during a show or whatever, I'm so like hyped just to be there. Like even if I'm not playing the show right. and they're all friends. Right. So it's just like, it's almost like just going to your friend's house and being like, Hey, what's up? And right. Yeah. Meanwhile, like being in like, for example, like I'm in school in a classroom full of people I don't know. I'm like the quietest person in the room. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's weird how how it work, works differently depending on the situation. Yeah. Um, When I was prepping for this, I saw I think you had a post where you're like, my mosh calls are never not going to be corny <laughs> or cheesy. And I think. Yeah. What's in? I, we just did a podcast uh, just a little bit earlier with um. Why am I blanking on the dude's name? I, I don't know what's happening. My brain's farting. My brain is farting. What's I'm looking at my podcast calendar. Oh, Dave, Dave from Weapon X, and we were talking about corniness in hardcore and like how people will say, "Oh, that's corny," but. I think we were talking about like people that jump to like shooting people down that way is almost like they at some point in their upbringing maybe got told that wasn't cool or they got like suppressed as far as like expressing themselves. So like when you were like, you know, framing out how you would carry yourself as a vocalist or, you know, looking at people that inspire you vocally, not only how to do vocals, but how to be a front person, like, like how, how did like the execution of that once you guys actually started playing shows come to be? Um, well, first I always thought of hardcore as like 
it's like a caricature of heavy music. Like everything's so excessive, right? Mm -hmm. Like excessive breakdowns, melodic hardcore has like excessive, like heartfeltness to it. So a little bit of excessiveness isn't bad for a band, which is Mm -hmm. why I kind of wanted to go slightly just hit the ceiling of corniness slightly, like not go beyond that, if that makes sense. Like I want people to be like, is he joking? I'm not too sure, sort of, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't really know how to describe it, but I want to be slightly corny, but not, not too corny where it's like you're in, in face wreck or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, to be said, to be fair, I think there are bands that are self-aware enough that they go like they go over the line and it's yeah. like once you go over that line you can't go back and i feel like if you yeah. just own it that you are that crazy of a band yeah. either like how you do your branding or, or how you do yourselves live yeah like there there are certain bands that i guess grow to some of those exceptions and face rick is definitely one of those yeah um but i do think that there are i don't know there's there's certain things that have just been said enough times where it's like, these are just classic things that you would say as of course. a front person. Um, like I've, I've even read online people being like, you don't need to do a mosh call. Just let the music do the talking. It's like, no man, mosh calls are fucking fun. Oh dude. Like I, it's funny because before Endgame put out our demo, I remember um, we, we played a show and then the band after us, and I know this because it's like, you know, we film stuff for, for scoped all the time. So it's like, I have reference points and sometimes people will say things at the show. And then I'm like, I, you don't really catch it until afterwards. So it's almost like I'm just reviewing, you know, what happened, but this band after us, who I think the singer at the time who doesn't come to shows anymore. So I'm okay to talk some shit on him. I'm not going to call him <laughs> out by name, but he said something like, yo, we're this band. Um, don't worry. We don't have any mosh calls. And it was because I was just going over the top. And I've definitely, like, not dialed it back, but I've, like, yeah. I I think I think with anything in life, you do, you try something enough times until you actually master it. And I wouldn't say I'm a master yeah. of mosh calls, per se, <laughs> but I feel like I'm, you know, I pick my, uh, my battles better than maybe yeah. when this band first started. But that kind of put in, like, a weird taste in my mouth where it's, like, so, you know, you, like... There are bands that don't say anything, but there there are bands that like when they say something, there's something within the minds of those people that are like, oh, I'm actually gonna do that. Because they're in yeah. the moment, right? Of course. You know, you, you gotta direct people. Yeah. Like people, at least in the local scene here, know our stuff now. So I probably wouldn't have to do mosh calls, but I just do them anyway because they're fun. Right. And right. plus saying like ridiculous shit on stage can be fucking funny yeah like i remember we played this show about a month ago and in our intro we just have this long pause and normally i do like a mosh call like i don't know something super generic but the show was just so fucking hot nobody could breathe i think the second vocalist on after us um he he had heat stroke so he had to go to the hospital (laughs) so during that big long pause all i said was it's hot and people fucking moshed anyway. And I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah. It's hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So that was, um, I was like, that was the moment where I'm like, yo, I can get away with saying dumb shit. 
Yeah. So the mosh calls are probably going to get dumber from here on out. <laughs> Just a warning. I, I, I don't know, dude. I think it's like, it's really, it's funny too when people are able to like, T- like have their surroundings influence the mosh calls if you know what i mean yeah like they're like shouting out bands or like saying something off of what's happening um yeah i don't know there's like you know there's the classics that we all have used everyone listening to this podcast has, has used the side to side front to back um let's fucking go like whatever it is but like there are some times where you can look at your surroundings I think one of I think I've said this on the podcast before, but uh, you know the band Stepping Stone from Regina. Uh, yeah, there was one time that they were playing the Calgary Fest that the day before in Winnipeg, um, Nathan, the guitarist of that band, was throwing a baseball around and unfortunately got a baseball to the mouth where he oh, lost no. these two bottom teeth. Or yeah, it was I oh, think it's fuck. the bottom. So you know, having a bit of a, a dental um, crisis at the time. Yeah. And Luke, the you know the next day or two days after in in Calgary, they're playing their set and it's like you know some chug part and he like no <coughs> hesitation like points at Nathan. I want everyone to look like fucking Nathan and he, and Nathan just shows <laughs> his teeth and it, like just people just fucking like swinging like their lives dependent on it. So that's fucking to amazing. me it's it's always funny to be able to like and that's a huge pleasure of mine like filming shows is like you know the context of all those things is always yeah. just hilarious that's fucking great um what what's the one that you think that is your go-to per se for mosh for mosh calls oh man i remember when i was in false promise uh our guitarist made a compilation and it was only five shows that we ever played of me saying move and it was like <laughs> fucking 15 times and i'm like wow fuck i say that way too much right, man. that's I my stop. that's my crutch word <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's even in our fucking intro right so clearly i haven't changed right but move is a great one it's just one word man that's all you one need to, word that's all, all you need. need to know you know the fact that stick your guns can put it on a on a hoodie you know is, <laughs> yeah is, true is enough um so anyways, we've gotten a little bit of a, a goof and gaff of, of, of mosh calls. So Dial Lone starts playing shows. Things are going well. Um, it's, you know, towards the end of 2022, and yeah. I haven't seen a new Dial Lone. And I fucking, you know, I'm simping for you a little bit here, but, like, I fucking <laughs> love your band. And the EP, I remember when we did the Scopies, which is our, like, yearly you know top hardcore award show yeah. shit and i knew it wasn't gonna win but i selfishly wanted to put your ep on there just because i truly believe it was like one Thanks, of the man. best releases especially in canada so what is on the horizon for Dialone uh when it comes to new music um well we wanted to get an ep out like almost the beginning of the year but what kept happening is we kept getting show offers and we're like, yeah, let's play a show. Let's play a show. Mm -hmm. So what happened was every practice that we'd have wasn't dedicated to writing. It was dedicated to going through our set. Right. So we're playing one more show next week and then that's it. We're finally (laughs) like buckling down. It's like um, the Seinfeld episode where George and Jerry are writing a script and like they keep putting shit off. That's like us with the EP. 
Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we had our first writing practice in a long time, um, a couple of weeks ago and like, it went super well. We wrote like a song and a half and we have like one more song to write. And then the EP is ready to be recorded. That's very cool. Yeah. It's always funny because like, um, if you look at an entire calendar year and you know, 52 weeks and yeah, some bands don't even practice once a week because, you know, sometimes people have other projects or shit going on. But even if you're practicing once a week, that's only 52 times. And that's not even yeah. including the weekends um, that because you need to play shows. So, like, yeah. let's even say, like, you cut it down the middle and it's 50-50 jams for practicing for shows and then just for writing. It's only like yeah. 26 jams and sometimes I you know. don't have the creative juices flowing. And so, yeah, yeah, like shit does take time, but uh, I'm glad to hear that new shit is coming. Yeah. Like we were, we were getting super nervous because we're like, fuck man. Like we can't just like ride this EP forever. Like people right. are going to be like, fuck that band. They only have one EP. Like they're, they're old news now. So we're <laughs> nah, like, we gotta, nah. we gotta start writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that practice went super, super well, went really smooth and it kind of like brought us back to where we were before that. And we're like, oh, we still got it. Yeah. We, we're, we're still good songwriters. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I guess like it's also, con- it's a little bit of a contrast as far as the amount of time you guys had since the very beginning of the band in 2018 yeah. to like writing the same body of work, if not more in such like a condensed time. But arguably the the first block of time you've already gone through the paces of, you know, establishing the sound and the lineup and yeah. you know, how you guys operate. Yeah. So um speaking of the the current EP that's out, um I wanted to pick your brain about the last song, which is the okay. the title track. Uh or yeah. you know, uh yeah, title track off of the EP. Um What's crazy to me, because I was listening to uh, to it today, I was like, this song has like a minute and a half of like just hardcore mosh intro, and then it's a song, and then it's like another minute and a half of like <laughs> hardcore mosh outro. Was that just, in, was that intentional? Because like, that's a bold move to put a five minute so- hardcore song <laughs> on your, you know, first release. Well... <sighs> So that song, we originally performed it in False Promise. Um, yeah, so I kind of wrote the main riff to that song and then showed it to my buddy Mash, and I'm like, yo, play this. And then um, he kind of made up the rest of it. Mm. But uh, so the intro, Connor wrote that entire thing because uh, he resonated with the lyrics like the lyrics i wrote those lyrics when i was going through a really dark time um i wrote them on the train in 2017 and i was just super fucking depressed i was in school at the time for plumbing and i didn't even want to do that i don't know why i was doing it and i got reamed out by my instructor for fucking up or something and i left class early that day and i just went home um and then on the train, I just like had a fucking breakdown and I just wrote these lyrics. And so Connor really resonated with that shit and made these like sad sounding chords. And he's like, yo, I want to put this at the start of the track just as like an intro. We can do it as like an interlude or something like that live. And so that's how that happened. Gotcha. The breakdown was always there, 
but it was just like the it was when we decided to um play it and die alone is when we're like yo let's just slow it down because it's going to be our last song right yeah yeah it's it's all the all the tracks are great but it's like that one specifically was like i i kept going to repeat it and like again i I have an ever diminishing hardcore attention span as far as like only liking songs that are like a minute and a half to two minutes you know you know what i mean so like something for five minutes actually like you know capture my attention i was like okay there's something here and it it sounds like there was a lot of you know reasons whether it was musically and uh, lyrically that like really went into that song honestly man like i'm glad you asked about that because that's probably my favorite song that we've ever written as a band mm-hmm. um but we just don't really play it anymore just because it doesn't really fit our sound it's a yeah. little more yeah it doesn't sound quite like the rest of the ep yeah yeah and I, and you know sometimes as a band like you know you have to like you know test the waters and see where that goes and i don't think there's anything bad with like oh your your ep doesn't have that cohesive you know whatever like if you have you know like endgame has one song off of our split that's definitely the more like melodic i look at it as like kind of a nod to like terror stick to your guns kind of the mel the melodic side of like that style of hardcore um i hate playing it live just because like really it there's so much build up to the very last breakdown but it's like i don't know i'm like if no one's moshing like the vibe is off for me yeah <laughs> so and that's that's why i was fucking stoked when neverending game played going through some things at yes, hold your ground yeah that's like probably my favorite song by them maybe mm-hmm. second favorite so when they started playing it, because I know they don't really play it live, I was like, yo, I'm fucking moshing. I was the only one moshing and singing along, man. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, this is a bit of a, a teaser to upcoming scope stuff, but I, I'm definitely going to be having Will from Never Ending Game on the podcast. Oh, um, we're scheduling it a little bit later um, in the year because there's some uh, releases that he wants to tie it to. So uh with that being said that that's definitely a talking point because it's like the fact that they played it was is crazy yeah and i think it's such a unique song to them where it's like it still fits within their style yeah um but it's again it's like you know testing out some things you know yeah going through some things so let's you know test out some things yeah of course right so um I guess bringing that to die alone, is there certain things on the the new songs that you guys are wanting to try out or is it like, we just want to stick to like the banger only kind of a strategy for this EP. We're leaning into the play the role sound, like the groovy type shit. Right. And for the past like year, me and Connor have been listening to a lot of funk metal, like, uh, living color and especially a band called 24 7 spies we really really fuck with okay they're like funk metal with like hardcore influence i think they like just played a show last year with like a bunch of hardcore bands in new york or something like that 24 7 spies yeah spelled s-p-y-z hold on i gotta boot up my spotify to remember that shit 24 7 s-p-y-z z z yeah 
Okay, there's some fucking this this band's hat game is strong. <laughs> They're okay. fucking sick, man. Okay, I'm gonna listen to that as soon as yeah. we're done. So on Not the EP, going on. We're Sorry, gonna I'm have looking at in- their crazy band names now. Or their song names, but yeah, I'm back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so on the EP, we're gonna have an interlude called DA Spies. And Ooh. it's just gonna be like a one minute kind of like our take on funk metal. Hmm. Just just fucking around. Right. Connor made like this sick funk metal riff and Bobby put some drums to it. And we're like, that's an interlude on the EP yeah. for sure. That's very so. Cool. Yeah. So that's pretty much what we're doing. We're doing that and like a like same old groovy play the role kind of sound. Mm-hmm. We have some really fucking heavy shit coming up. Yeah. I'm going to brag a little bit. It sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> Connor Connor is a is a riff master and he doesn't give himself enough credit. <laughs> But wait, wait, Connor is, oh, sorry. Connor's your brother. I'm thinking of Bobby, yeah. who's your drummer. Bobby's a drummer, uh, yeah. Connor is a riff master. I will I will agree with you on that. For sure. <laughs> um. So at this point, as far as the time of recording this, Dialone has mainly stuck within Ontario as a whole. Yeah. What is your guys' plans for A, coming to Western Canada? So that's the selfish ask. <laughs> and then B, you know, beyond from there. Um, so I got a message from a buddy of mine from Buffalo about a month or two ago. And he's like, yo, when do you guys, like, when do you guys want to come down? And we're like, probably after we release the EP and then we got to get our visa shit too. Like, to be honest, I don't even know how that works. So we got to look into that and probably pay a shit ton of money. Um, as for Western Canada, man, literally like anytime, as long as I'm not in school, like if I'm on break or whatever, I'm fucking down. Dude. Because you guys have a crazy scene there. Well, and a fuck ton of good bands. I thank you for saying that. That's very nice of you. Um, but I just, anytime I think of you guys, I'm like, you guys would just do so well out here. Cause there's definitely like, there's definitely a lot as far as like Alberta to BC, there's definitely a lot of like metallic and like metalcore influence when it comes to bands. Yeah. But like anytime, like, the fact that Prowl, I think, is one of the most loved bands from out here, but they're totally different genre-wise, I think yeah. is, is a big tell as far as, like, when something that is not the norm comes through, and especially when it's coming from yeah. the other side of the country, um, I think you guys would do really well here. And I would really selfishly like to be playing one of those shows. That'd be you. great, man. Yeah, I, f- I feel like Western Canada has a very, like, cohesive scene. Whereas Ontario, our sounds kind of all over the map. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing. But it's also like, like your scene has so many different sub scenes within that. Yeah, of yeah. course. Like, not gonna lie, I would like to hear more metallic hardcore coming from Ontario. Hmm. Like, I feel like we either have super like chuggy metalcore with like panic chords type of stuff, or we just have like straightforward hardcore. But like to get that like metallic kind of thrashy sound that you guys have going on over there would be fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was um there was a thread on the Winnipeg Hardcore uh Facebook group back when that was thriving. Or 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 thriving, I don't know if, if it's the right word. It was active. Facebook groups for, for hardcore scenes now aren't even really a thing. But no. at the time, this was maybe this is before I moved to Calgary, so it was like well over five years ago. Um, 
someone started a thread where it was like, you know how in sports where people will trade members um, or yeah. like, um, you know, different athletes for different teams. Yeah. So people were like tagging people of like, oh, we'll trade so-and-so in this band and then send <laughs> over this band. So, and then we would have like a better drummer scenario or something. So oh, fuck. there's always that that came to mind where it was like, oh, you know, we could probably trade like a couple metallic bands to Ontario and then have you guys send over some more moshy <laughs> bands and then the scales might be a little bit more balanced the canadian hardcore draft it literally it was literally like yeah the western canada hardcore draft or something um but then you know some people would be like there's no way that i'm going to fucking regina saskatchewan or something <laughs> like that um so a little bit of a topic change um okay. i know that I saw on your Instagram that you got a ton of retro gaming shit in your yes. possession. <laughs> Tell me about that. So honestly, I haven't bought a retro game in time just because the market's fucked, man. Oh. Like, I don't know if you watch a YouTuber, Carl Jobs. He like no. did a deep dive into um, there's a company called Wada Games who artificially inflated the market. And what? now... On top of that, you have like people who aren't even into retro games just collecting for the sake of making money. Hmm. It's fucked, man. So I've opted out and I've switched to emulation essentially. But uh, yeah, I fucking love retro games, man. It's like holding a piece of history. Absolutely. Yeah. Like to, to like feel the fucking, the actual like box and like flip through the, the manuals because manuals were crazy back then. Was, like they were like a full fucking book. It was well, it was manuals, and then like if you could get guide. I remember buying like some of the like Gen two Pokemon games, and if you could get the fucking book that had everything. Oh man, this is like yeah. the internet existed, but like going, I actually have the Gen two strategy guide. You do? Yeah, Dude. my buddy got it for me for my birthday. That's wild. I'm sure that goes yeah. for a pretty penny. But again, I think that even that me saying that that mindset of like owning retro shit is just to make a dollar yeah i think is we're, we're in a bit of a not e even outside of retro games there's a bit of a flip mentality uh um, yeah when it comes to the things now because i it's I, like people with comic books in like the 90s and 2000s right yeah i wish that i could just like i i used to own i would say 50 percent of all pokemon games from like like I had like the yellow and red cartridges yeah. and then I, I ended up selling them later on. Uh, I would say a few years ago, just because I like needed money at the time or whatever. Yeah. But I like go back. I'm like, man, I wish I like held on to that. Stuff. I wish I held on to the original like games that I had growing up. I know. And we just throw away the boxes like animals, I know, like animals. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with us? Um, What's, what's maybe, out of all the things that that you've collected over the years or like um like what what's the one pride and joy that uh that you've held on to for the longest time? um shit it's gonna take me a minute because i have to like go into my collection right um so i made it a mission that i didn't complete to get every single pokemon game in box with the manuals and I made it to Pokemon that's, Ruby. That's almost a taller mission than catching yeah. all, all 
whatever the fuck number of Pokemon that exist nowadays. So I have red, blue, yellow, um, gold, silver, crystal, and then ruby. And then I stopped because mm. then sh- shit got like crazy expensive. Yeah. Because even... I wasn't buying one like once a week, right? I was buying one like once every like four months or something when I had some extra money. Right. And just as time went on, shit got super, super expensive. Yeah. Because even just to buy like a cartridge for one of those games is easily yeah. three figures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, um, probably one of the things just like sentimental value my buddy um, who used to play in False Promise when he went back to Japan, he sent me a package a couple of years ago with like a bunch of Japanese retro. I saw that. Games. I saw that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just like having some shit from my buddy in Japan is pretty, pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Plus, like everything is pristine over there. All the retro games, like they're all in pristine condition. <laughs> they have respect for them. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, the Pokemon stadium that I have still has the plastic on like the, the adapter to plug into the controller and shit like that. So can I share a grievance with you? Yeah. I am so mad at Nintendo as a whole for like severely lacking when it comes to Pokemon battle animations. Because I grew up on Pokemon Stadium, and I'm like, there's fucking like flip moves know, and right? like different things for like di- like whether it's a like a, a status condition, whatever. The fact that like they didn't take that and like put that into games that are on like the Switch nowadays is like so fucking does not make sense to me. Yeah, like I I go back and I watch just the like you know top pokemon stadium animations or like you know different things and now it's like you know just and that's it i'm like i know i agree and and it goes sorry it goes both ways of like the the mon that's attacking versus the like you know pokemon will like full-on fall and then they like roll over and like like so much effort and now it's like let's just churn out these games that we know are going to print money. If you know what I mean. I get, I get there's like fucking a thousand Pokemon or whatever, however many <laughs> there is now, but like, but they're come not, on, man. but they're not putting a thousand Pokemon in one game. It's like, Oh, here are our, our picks from every single generation. Yeah, that is true. I haven't played a fucking Pokemon game since Omega Ruby. I, I remember I stood outside in the cold um, in line for that game. Mm-hmm. I had it on pre-order. I played it for like, an hour and then i'm like yeah okay i'm done i'm done with pokemon now i think (laughs) well it's funny because i my last the initial like i did what was my my spree it was like i had yellow so yellow is like pretty much it's red and blue combined with air quotes because it's a bit of a different story um it had yellow i had crystal and then i had emerald No, no no i had ruby and then I took I, I kind of like just took a break from Gen five to uh four to five, and then when six was the one where it's like all like the three D, and I was like, yeah. okay, I gotta get back into this. And then I played Omega, I played Sun, um, I got it for the Switch, and I've been like, I'm excited for, uh, Violet and uh, is it Violet and Scarlet is like the new games that are coming. I think out? so. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about that. Um, because it's a little bit more like if I'm going to play a whole like Pokemon thing, like I want it to be a little bit more on like open yeah. world versus like, you know, the top down. But um, that being said, the emulator 
way of doing things when it comes to playing those older games is way more the move. Yeah, agreed. Um, there's actually this fucking this game called Pokey MMO. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's no. literally what's that Pokemon, but like an MMO RPG. So what you do, you 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 install this client, and then you put some um, ROMs in the the game folder or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you're literally literally playing Pokemon with a bunch of people. It's crazy. Oh, this looks crazy. Yeah. And you would think that it's going like to get shut down in any this day gym, now, but it's going to be. It, it's been running for like ten years or so. It's never going to get shut down. Really? Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. And there, I played it for, for like an hour. I just don't really have time for fucking any other MMO except dude, World yeah. of Warcraft. I do not have time, <laughs> but like playing video games for me nowadays is like I make time for it versus like, oh, yeah. I have a spare hour. I'm like, oh, this new Halo game dropped. I have to like, I have to. Play. I know. Or this. New I can't Pokemon play for just an hour, man. I have to like dude. set aside at least three. Or a, a weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Dude, I am definitely going to check out that Pokey MMO. Um, Like, when you were switching to the whole ROM side of things, you know, when when you are playing games, like, was there a bit yeah. of, like, of a, oh, is this a, am I compromising to do so? Because I th- yeah. I felt the same way where it's like, no, it's got to be the fucking cartridge that I yeah. got. Oh, big and time. Put it in, if you know what I mean. Yeah, dude. Like, for me, um, it's kind of the same situation as renting a movie at a video store versus having a Netflix library of everything. Hmm. It's the paralysis of choice. So I find that going through like my list of fucking ROMs on RetroArch or whatever. Yeah. I play a game for like 10 minutes and then I'm like, all right, I'm done on to the next one. All right, I'm done on to the next one. Meanwhile, when I have the actual physical cartridge, I like to make a point to like beat, my games so i'll i'll beat the actual game and then move on to the next one mm-hmm. so it's yeah it's a blessing and a curse to have all these forms of entertainment at your fingertips right yeah i definitely think um for me it was like not as much of like a oh is this should i not like should i be doing this because like at the end of the day pokemon is something that i think Pokemon is an entity and a brand that I know will live forever. Like, there, I don't think there's anything that would, like, kill that in time. Yeah, um, I don't think so either. But at the same time, me downloading a ROM is not taking out of the pockets no. of fucking Game Freak or, or, or Nintendo. So I not don't at feel all. bad about that. Yeah. It's, it's the um, pirating new games that sure. is taking money from the developers that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Because, like, PC games are so fucking cheap now, like on Steam and like a GOG and shit. Like, I think um, the entire Fallout collection was like five dollars the other day or something. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Is there a lot of noise coming from my end? Nope. Oh, OK, sweet. Because <laughs> there is outside the door because um, this is actually like a vape shop. They're making some sort of vape juice. Oh. And all I hear is like some sort of drilling. So. <laughs> <laughs> I. I don't know much about making vape juice, but drilling is not an, an action that, that comes I have no mind. idea. <laughs> it just sounds like <laughs> drilling, <laughs> man. Here's your new vape juice. It's watermelon flavored. Um, dude, that's so funny. Um, what is the one, quote unquote, un- most underrated vintage related game 
either game or game series that uh that you think people should check out um so everybody fucking loves skyrim but like elder scrolls one arena is super fucking underrated and it's janky as shit which you know fair people are going to criticize it for that Mm -hmm. but i love that game man like the the music is great the the dungeons are awesome there's things in the game that are really a product of their time but i feel like when everybody talks about elder scrolls it's always skyrim and never like oh yeah what about arena or daggerfall or something like that it's Mm -hmm. always Skyrim or sometimes Oblivion, but Oblivion's fucking awesome too. Right. I could go on about Elder Scrolls, man. That's my favorite game series of all time. <laughs> I feel like that was just outside of like I had so many friends who were obsessed with it and cuz that was available cross platform. Skyrim? Think, yeah. It might It's on everything, man, and it's yeah. been released like a million times. <laughs> yeah. And I think it might have just been like a weird thing where it was just like I just wasn't exposed to it, but like it clearly runs itself and like people fucking love it. It's essentially an engine now. Like there's so many mods for it and like different gameplay bullshit, like new (laughs) storylines or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, some of the random GameCube games that I've been trying to sell on, on, on Facebook marketplace. They're just sitting over there. I was like, yeah, not not these are aren't worth mentioning because I'm trying to sell them and it, it's like which ones are they? You got to mention them now. <laughs> All right, well I'll we'll do a little bit of a show and tell. That this is I would say this is the bad batch, and then I'll show you the good shit. The shovelware batch, yeah. if you will. Oh yes. Sorry, my dog's immediately behind me, so I'm trying to. Back. Okay, so this is on the for sale. So anyone listening to this podcast, if you want this, th- this is a great way to fucking... I'm just going to guess right now and say there's some, like, Pixar video game in there. Mm, no. Like a Pixar movie game. No. Like Cars 2 or something. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, some of these are, are bangers. I think I was just like, I'm, when am I going to actually be playing these games? So, number one, New Super Mario Brothers. For the Nintendo DS. Classic. This is this is this is the Super Mario Brothers that walked so the rest of those could run. Yeah. Is that fair to say? I don't Completely. know. Completely. Sure. Okay. Um Star Wars Bounty Hunter on the game. I didn't I've never even heard of that one. I know there was Battlefront. But... I just when I knew there was like a ton of when I would watch like Star Wars lore and they're talking about the bounty hunters and the Mandalorians. Yeah. They would always like some people would use clips of like Django Fett. I'm like, uh, who is this pixelated game? And <laughs> I, I bought this in hopes to give it a go, but I haven't played it yet. So I was like, maybe I'll just sell it. Um, arguably a goaded game, but I was just like a little bit too much of a doesn't have the replayability I want to. Yeah. Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Okay. No, I've never even played that. You've never played this? The, the only Lord of the Rings game I've played is Lord of the Rings Online. Oh, okay. I've done Lord of the Ring, that one and Two Towers, pretty much the same like hack and slash, yeah. you know, upgrade your wizard uh dwarf or, or elf. Um yeah. It's like, oh, he, he, we're just kind of progressing along. Yeah. And then 
not the the original burnout, which is not great after buying this. I bought this for five dollars. <laughs> uh later burnout games were actually yeah. like way better. I don't know if you played those. No, never played one. I'm not a fan of racing games besides I'm like, not either. But the whole idea with the later editions of this game is like you're in a race, but you're yeah. encouraged to like get people to crash. So oh, you shit. would get okay. points if you're like, you know, you nub someone and they hit it. And it's so yeah. funny because the game will, the race will pause and it will show the slow motion of them absolutely eating shit. And then you're right <laughs> back to it. So that's, Sweet. that's the for sale. Shout, you know, DM me if you want those. <laughs> and then let me grab the current GameCube setup if my dog is home. Do you have some, you, you probably don't have some games there. Because that's not your space. You don't have any games there. No, not here. Okay. What's uh? Okay. Marty, move. We gotta we gotta show some games for the for the folks. Okay. So this is my current because I'm a GameCube Nintendo head. Yeah, that wasn't obvious already. Um, this is the current inventory. Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. Very nice. I'm more of an underground guy myself. You, you, underground one. There's a lot of people that say underground one is the best story. And I respectively think this is a better story. Okay. Just putting it out there. Fair. It's Fair. a hot take, but I haven't played. I recently, um, I replayed underground like a year ago and I forgot how fucking corny it is. It's, <laughs> I remember when I played it as a kid, I'm like, this is so cool, man. I can't wait to grow up and be like as cool as these skaters. <laughs> they don't have fingers. Their hands are like this. Also, it's pretty crazy how I think it was Underground 1 or 2. Maybe it's American Wasteland, how 25 to Life was in the soundtrack. Yeah, because um, I know in 2 or Tony Hawk 2 is um, the public enemy Anthrax song um but yeah which one is 25 to life on i can't remember it's in one of them jordan if you could uh you could check that and let us know that'd be great um speaking of tony hawk tony hawk 3 this was that's, the that's this was one. the game that was like really put this, this has like cky um, yeah alien ant farm like is that the one where you're like in like the foundry with like not yeah i think that's the one i had it for ps2 Yes. It's the one with um Motorhead on it too as well. Yes, or Ace is that Spades. Four? Ace of Spades. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I had. Um arguably one of the best fighting games of all time. Yep. Um Super Smash Bros. Melee. I don't know. Are you in do you know of competitive Smash? Oh yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, we I can do a, a whole time. episode about that, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm a Simon main. <laughs> if you're you a Simon main? What? Yes. Yeah. Who do you mean? In oh, this and DK game? as well. Oh, um, I never really played Melee. I skipped it. Well, so Melee I played is like the true breeding ground I know, of professional. I know. But uh, man. I'm not that good. <laughs> it's the physics, man. It, it's like the gravity's weird. I can't get the, into playing it. Playing this game the, to the level that it deserves to be played is like you need to be a scientist. And yeah. Like, it's so mathematical. Yeah. Um, Maybe a mathematician is a better. Well, there's, I don't know. Um, Speaking of mathematician and numbers, uh, 25 to life was on <laughs> Tony Hawk 
Tony Hawk's Underground 2. Okay, that's the one. What a great segue. There you go. I Good job, Jordan. Um you do you want to know who I main in Smash? Yes. Uh try to guess. Um, um I will okay, give you are a you hint about Melee or Ultimate. I I will play this across any game minus the original. So Box. he was introduced in this game. Oh, okay. Um Bowser no but like weight class is the same okay uh shit <laughs> ganon yes nice you know why so, i main ganon why there's a canadian uh, melee player i think he's canadian no, no, no. There, there is a Canadian uh, melee player who mains Ganon, but there's another player that's a little bit more infamous. His name is Bizarro Flame. Okay. And he is inarguably the most disrespectful uh, melee player. So he'll, like, knock someone off off screen, and, like, they're dead. Like, they have no recovery. They, you know, they yeah. use their up B. And he'll just you know, it's last stock and he'll just jump off and down be them or fucking give the boots. <laughs> just like there's, That's a compil- I'll send it to you after this. It's a yeah. compilation of just most disrespectful, bizarro flame moments. And it's like 20 minutes long. Nice. So me and Dave, we play doubles sometimes. Like we will um, play against two other people like me and him versus two of them. Right. And right. Uh, I'll pick Ganon and he'll pick like, I don't know. Um, Richter or somebody like that somebody fast right because it's good to have a slow guy and a fast guy right and so at the end of the game when it's down to like one person versus me and Dave when we're <laughs> kicking their ass or whatever right what Dave will do he'll intentionally break his shield so then the other person will run up and be like oh I gotta get a smash attack in and that's when I hit them with the with the B with the, <laughs> yeah. the warlock punch and it works every time yeah well, there's so many of those with Ganondorf. I was thinking you're gonna do the his like leg, um, like up A where he charges it for a bit and oh, just yeah. fucking lays it down. Oh man. Um last two uh of my GameCube collection. The only hockey game that I'll fuck with, NHL Hits two thousand three, because it's like it's not even really a hockey game, it's more of like yeah. a like just check people and score <laughs> needlessly like dude I, ice hockey for the nes that's the best hockey game okay <laughs> it's just so straightforward mm-hmm. um and the very last and this is how i'm going to tie it back into um into hardcore okay do you know this game no okay if you have if you have a gamecube or access to one you should definitely play it to me okay. it's like one of the most underrated adventure gamecube titles okay um, no i've never heard of it it essentially is like um what, what would that style be where you're there's like different worlds and then each of them has a door that has a mission um but there's like, like different former yeah kind of um but it's like there will be an initial mission and then there's like different ways that you can go through the same a to b level but there's like a different objective whether it's like collecting uh red coins or like killing all the enemies or something like that but the whole idea is like you're this pissed off ninja whose master (laughs) you kill out of rage and you need to like get all these stones to revive him and it's just like 
so I don't know. It's it's a game that I've always gone to replay, and it's just so fun. Yeah. And here's the here's the way I'm going to tie it back to hardcore. Endgame has a song called "Feel My Steel," which is something this character says. No way. When he's hacking through enemies, he says, "That's fucking Feel amazing." And I was like, "That needs to be a hardcore song." Wow. And then that's how we. There, I really wanted to put a sample from that game, um, because he'll say a bunch of wacky shit. Yeah. But he has one. It wasn't clean enough that I could pitch it to the guys, but sometimes you're hacking through enemies and then he'll just angrily say need to kill stuff. And I was like, <laughs> man, that's so funny. But um, yeah, shout, Damn, out to, dude. shout out to I Ninja. If anyone knows that game. Fuck yeah. Um, I'm, I feel like I've just taken up 10 minutes of me showing all these fucking games of this podcast, but you know, here we are. No, that was, that was uh, a very welcome addition to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if someone buys one of these games that i showed earlier because of this podcast, i know right? i know it will be worth it if no one buys it i know that i fucked up um kian um since you know you don't have any games to show yourself uh give me a top three like retro games that you think are are goaded um okay so how like what would you say is retro like before 2000 i would say I would say before I'm going to go like before these systems. So I would say before the Wii, the PS3 and okay. the Xbox 360. Okay. So that so kind first, of timeline. First one that comes to mind is um Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Okay. Cuz it's it's fucking October and I play it every <laughs> October. Right. Um second one is the original super mario bros because mm. it's a classic and because i can i'm not gonna say i can speed run it but i can beat it pretty fast like i'm not like an under five minutes guy but like give me like eight to nine minutes i could probably beat it and sure. lose maybe like a life or two mm -hmm. um a third one so i was just about to say super mario world but i don't want to choose another mario game mm -hmm. so let me think actually you know what fuck it i'm gonna choose another mario game but i'm gonna say mario paint Ooh, that game is interesting wicked, that's yeah. a good choice yeah i grew up playing that game right so i i have my old cartridge somewhere and it's probably <laughs> still got all the dumb shit that me and connor used to like make on it right so yeah just for nostalgia's sake sake that uh that definitely makes a list. I, I can't remember where I heard it, but someone on a podcast or an interview said Super Mario is one of the best games ever because it's the most easiest to play, but the most impossible to master. For sure. And that Completely. has like stayed with me because it's like yeah. literally you could hand that to like a five year old. Yeah. And they would be able to figure out, oh, I have to jump over these enemies. I have to like go down this pipe. Like, I just need yeah. to go this way. But like, there are people that dedicate their lives to like, I know it's and, crazy and, and doing all that. So, oh, yeah. um, honorable mention, uh, Ninja Gaiden for the NES. Ooh, fucking great game. Glad you brought that up. Dude, I'm going to go home after this and be like, oh, I should have said this. I, I should have said that. I know. Everyone <laughs> listening at this point in the episode, please drop your favorite retro games before. In, in that timeline, don't say fucking Modern Warfare 2 or some bullshit like that. <laughs> um, although, 
very great game. But again, outside of the the timeline that we're talking about, um, man, Jor- Jordan, do you have any uh, you know, retro games you want to shout out? You've already been involved in this podcast by coughing and oh no no that was the last one. <laughs> that was last episode. Don't call yeah. me out like that. <laughs> um, you said Pokemon uh, Stadium, right? We talked Early. about it. I I would. I'm going to say it's... Pokemon Coliseum. Ooh. Wrong choice. Wait, did you say wrong choice? I said strong choice. Oh, strong choice. Okay. I was like, oh, we're going to get into it now. <laughs> <laughs> but Stadium is better. That's fair. I never played Stadium. You've never played Stadium? No. Man. Kids Club, man. Kids Club. Also, I will say Pokemon Stadium's... Oh, um like story mode or like where you're going to beat the elite four is actually hard. Yeah. I actually don't know if I've actually been that game because well, it, that's it's, what people were it's saying. unrelenting. That's what people were saying when it gets uh, released on uh switch. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're saying like, how am I supposed to beat it with rentals? It's near impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I watched a, like a, a live stream of, uh, of a guy trying to beat that but like um because you can do the random selection on on yeah. that game so he would like randomly select his team every single time and it, it, as soon as he would get like metapod or like someone where it's like oh no it's this is not the this yeah. is not the run um but yeah man um okay so can i tell you a super quick fun fact please you were saying earlier about the smash player and you're like those uh bizarre flame. flame yeah and you're confusing him from being from canada mm-hmm. he is from la canada flintridge california what huh. but canada spelt with a little the little uh squiggly line over the n because it's Spanish. okay i didn't know that but there's def- life is a lie now no there's definitely a canadian okay okay now <laughs> now we're correcting the records okay um Smash melee Ganondorf mains. Ganon Ganondorf mains. Okay. Thank God there's a Reddit thread for this. Because we might be here all day. I'm just kidding. Kean's like, when's this podcast over? <laughs> uh oh man. I'm gonna get lost here. For those that know, there is a Canadian Ganondorf player. And there's Bizarro Flame, who is from some California town called Canada, I guess. Um, okay. Uh, Ray Calm is a Ganondorf main and is known as the best <laughs> Ganondorf player in Canada for both Brawl and Smash 4. Yeah, maybe that's him. I don't know. That's the best you're getting. That's the best you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, Kian, we, we've talked about video games. We've talked about hardcore. We're ending towards the end of the the podcast um you know stuff on the horizon for die alone which is very very sick um as you know every podcast here ends with a favorite mosh related story so that's anything that is first your head that could be wholesome gruesome uh something that you did something that happened to you something that happened at a show you were attending or playing whatever's first your head is how we start to wrap up the show um 
So I'll tell you something that happened to me. Okay. So in 2013, I went to see the band Tyrant. Uh, you know that band from Detroit? Like Tyrant. their ex Tyrant X. Oh, no. Fucking I don't think head. so. So I went to see them. And uh, I that was like one of the first shows that I went to since I moved to the GTA. Hmm. And it was fucking crazy. And I just remember I I didn't keep my head on a swivel because I was so new to hardcore shows. I'd only been to like a small handful prior to that. And I got punched so fucking hard by some like dude three times my size. I was I think I was like 18 at the time. Um, <clears throat> and I just remember falling down and like I was just like stunned. I I that was like the hardest i'd ever been hit to this day in a pit i was just completely stunned and two guys dragged me out of the pit while i was sitting down like literally just dragged me out mm -hmm. and uh your shield one of broke them when yeah when you got hit. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and it's one of those guys was i didn't even know him at the time but it was chris from born without hope and oh. then like a couple years later i was in a fucking band with that guy so that's pretty crazy. Wow. He was in another band at the time that I really liked. And I just remember like him and some other dude dragging me out and being like, how many fingers am I holding up? I'm like, yeah. So that was the craziest fucking pit story that happened to me. But then there was another time. I'll tell too. Yeah. There was another time that uh, I, I was overbearing with all these fucking video games things. So if anything, yeah, you're no owed two mosh pos mosh stories. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I remember this was at like a, a local show. I think it was at Duffy's in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, somebody like spilled a beer or something like that. So one dude got a mop from the back and was moshing with this mop, like swinging it around. Was that the show that I was at? No, this was like in 2014 or something like oh, that. Because I do remember some mop mosh action yeah. at that February 2020 show, but. And one of the guys in the bands was like, yo, shout out to Mop Mosh. <laughs> Fucking awesome, man. <laughs> that's the mosh call that we all need. Yeah. Uh, man, that's so funny. Um, well, Kean, this has, again, been a great chat. Um, you know, the simp, I will unapologetically simp that I love your band. And I <laughs> Thanks, am really man. stoked. The feeling is mutual. Endgame fucking rules. Well, I, I'm not saying that so you can fucking plug my band. But uh, no, I, I'm really stoked um you know to see you on the vocals and like really thriving because um yeah it's uh it's really sick um all Thanks, of dude. your links the band links and all that good shit will be in the description and in the show notes uh if there's Fuck anything yeah. you want to plug anything you want to shout out or anything you want to send the people off with the floor is yours um i think that's pretty much it just fucking shout outs to connor yoshi rob and bobby the dudes in die alone man they fucking they're great dudes and i love making music with them i don't this is funny i don't think anyone in sculpted silver podcast history has just shouted out their band <laughs> well i like, had to not man. their band i'm but not the shouting out my band. band yeah i think that's wholesome as fuck well, they're just fucking good dudes to write with, man. I've never been in a band where there's just been zero problems. Hmm. Like everything seems to go smoothly for this band. So yeah. I'm super happy to be in it and really fucking lucky. Honestly, that is the recipe for a band to really 
take off outside of like writing dope music but like if if things are good within your collection of people and it's easy to write music and it's easy to play shows and do band stuff yo i guess i should um shout out some ontario bands so now just uh, shout out out your band i'm just kidding (laughs) um right off the bat uh temper tantrum reality denied um mile end gavel fucking there's a million great bands coming out of Ontario right now. And there's like a million more that are jamming mm-hmm. at this point. So the scene is great. It's better than ever. And I'm really, really excited what the future, what the future holds. Oh, shout outs to Russ too, obviously. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think that's a very nice way to end, end this episode. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, like I said at the top of the episode, there's a lot more, you know, to see, to go to Hold Your Ground Fest and have so many bands, like whether they're from Ontario or, or else, like be shouting Western Canada, like that to me is like super encouraging to see the shift in like more bands from the East coming to the West and vice versa. Yeah. Um, you know, we're definitely going to, you know, talk more about how we can get Dialone to hit Calgary ASAP. Oh, yeah, dude um dude thank you again for coming on the pod thanks a lot man this has been great